listening to Splash with Shalene Bryan. Get ready to be splashed with love and laughter to rehydrate your soul. Well, welcome to another episode of Splash. I'm Shalene Bryan here with my buddy, Barbara Cameron. Hello, everybody. Ready to splash <laughs> you with a little love, laughter, and encouragement to rehydrate your soul. And today we're doing a cannonball. Whoa, we are. I have my stylist here, who's now <laughs> I know, an author. I, I tried to dress yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> you look good, buddy. You look good, but she'll go through your closet later. I know. <laughs> Jen Principe's in the house. Yeah, Jen. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I am so glad you're here, and I'm so glad we live close so you could be in studio. Oh my yeah, God. When great. you said, are you coming to studio? I was so happy because I've been doing so many Zooms. And I know. Such a everything. Yes. 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 Yeah. Energy. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Got to be in mm-hmm. the energy zone. <laughs> Remind people, I mean, I'm acting like you guys already all know her because you, some of you might, how we met because it was kind of cool, yeah. but I needed you and I didn't even realize it, that you were out hearing me speak <laughs> or something, but yes. I don't remember what event that was. So it was actually at Nordstrom's and a friend of ours, Kim, for Oh, Neiman Marcus. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Neiman Marcus. That's correct. That's Neiman right. Marcus. And you were talking about Skip One and I yes. fell in love with you immediately, everything about you. And then you called me afterward and you said, yes. you know what, listen, I do a lot of public speaking. It's the one area That's I right, really feel right. uncomfortable and can mm-hmm. you help me? And I said, absolutely. And she did. And I did. And I came to the house and we brought a little color and a little, a, mm-hmm, a, you know, mm-hmm. some, we zhuzhed you up a bit. <laughs> That's right. Had a and, little purple going on, got rid of some of the black. You did. Yes. It's amazing. And then I was just blown away by your own organization and I said, I want a child. And I wanted <laughs> and I wanted a girl because as you when you, when yes, you read you my book, sons. you'll see yeah. I have two sons, I have three yes. brothers. I you know, my mom left. Aww. So I was you know, thinking, I'm gonna get a girl. And you laid out the pictures and mm. this one little boy, Kofi just kept staring at me and right. I looked over and his birthday was the same date as my son's and I okay. went, oh, there you go. Now I have three sons. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's how we met. I know. Wow. I just love that's your heart. Good. And I know you. you saw some of my cute outfits. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. she's a stylist. She's a stylist to the stars and everybody else, but also just to <clears throat> normal people like me. I mean, she'd come into your closet and completely, you know, I, I find 15 outfits and my husband goes, just have her come over instead of you go buy, spend more money. <laughs> my closet keeps growing and getting smaller actually right, right, right. because I got so many clothes, but I don't know what to do with them. Right. It's like she'd come in and it's oh like gosh. a, it's like an extreme clothes makeover. It's unbelievable. But you, I want to go back for a second because when I met you, you hadn't written a book yet. No. And now you have this amazing book out called Common Threads, yes. which you can get what on Amazon. Great and title. I, great title, right? Yeah. But what's the subline on there? Because there's a great subline with your common threads. It's a fashion for the soul book. Fashion for the soul yeah. book. It's fashion like food for, the, for soul. the soul, fashion for the it, soul. It really is a fashion for the soul book. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my tagline is a soul stylist with a soul purpose. That's right. The book in itself has, you know, it's filled with inspirational stories of how God spoke to me. And Which I want to talk about chapter 14, me. for sure, oh, about yeah. Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, yeah, amazing. It's a combination of these inspirational stories of, you know, my life and the traumas that I've been through and rising from that, Mm -hmm. um, the lessons that I've learned along the way that, you know, God speaks to us in many different languages. And for some people, it's through, you know, scripture, nature, Mm -hmm. music, poetry, whatever that is. And for me, once I was able to recognize the common threads, which is why I called it a common thread, and really hone into why I'm here... Then I was able to clearly see that, you know, God gave me this gift for a reason and all of these stories in my life that uh, for a reason, you know, people have always said, Jen, you have to write a book. Mm -hmm. I mean, the things that have happened to you over, 
you know, your lifetime, you have to write a book and um, it's all in God's timing. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, but you yeah. also have to be obedient. I think there's people listening right now that probably have books that need to be written mm-hmm. or companies that need to be started or relationships that need to end mm-hmm. or begin. And mm-hmm. it's like, we need to be obedient when we hear that That's nudge right. from the Lord, like, hey, it's time. It's time to jump. You call it a God mm-hmm. shot. You know, it's like, it's time to go. And I feel like when I step out on faith like that, because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. Right. So a lot of people probably thought you couldn't write a book. I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me I can't open a 501c3. <laughs> I was told I couldn't write a book either. <laughs> can't write a book. You've written a book. I've written a book. You've written a book. And so it's interesting. It doesn't matter what other people say. It's like, what is the God telling you, right? right. And then when we act out on obedience, now you see the fruit of it. Now you're holding a book, girlfriend, that went basically on Amazon number one for inspiration. What was it? What was the category? So I was number one in self help and number two in fashion memoir, which is love it. um, It's it's incredible. It's amazing. And you know, when you say that, it's so true because you know, when you read my story, I you know, I was a troubled teenager. Yeah, share that. Share that with our listeners. Yeah. So the way I look at my own journey is clothes have been a part of my life since as far back as I can remember. And in the beginning of my life, clothes, I used clothes to protect and hide. Mm. Like a child in, in role play. And I did that all the time because I lived in an environment that was very unsafe and that was had a lot of trauma in it. So I would hide in my room and I would play dress up all the time. And and that was my way of escaping my reality. And mm. then as a teenager, I used clothes to define me because mm. I wanted to fit in and feel Hello. Yeah, I wanted to fit in Hello. and be popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that, we couldn't afford it. And so what did I do? I stole. I stole everything. <gasps> yeah, I stole. I, I got arrested, tackled to the ground by cops. Um, I Yeah, I had a really wow. troubled t- teenage experience. And once I got older, I used clothes at that, you know, as an adult to heal myself mm. and others around me through my nonprofit, which we'll get to later. Yes. But the Phoenix Effect. The Phoenix Effect, yes. yeah. So, you know, clothes have played an integral part of my life since as far back as I can remember. And, you know, I really believe that our own unique creation is it doesn't happen without a design. We are all called into this world for a purpose and we're all given these gifts and the gifts are meant to be shared. And so, you know, once I recognized the common threads, the voices, you know, the urge inside of you when you were talking about, you know, God gives us these um, messages and we need to act on them and writing a book, et cetera, and people saying, I can't do that. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I got kicked out of school, high school four times. <laughs> You know, so the, the you know the fact that I wrote a book Amen. is just a testament to it's a miracle. listening to mm-hmm. listening to God speaking right. through me. I didn't have a choice. I mean, right. once once the floodgates opened, God filled me with with the words, and they just came out on paper beautifully, and I was able to express exactly what what was what He intended for me. So yeah, I mean, you know, anybody can write a book. It does take discipline, that's for sure. And I called you many times and no, asked you. No, can I just you, tell you yeah. something? No, I, I was, my husband was in the car one of the times that you called me and she told me she was going to write a book. And I've had a lot of people say, no, I've written a couple books. Ask me, what did you mm-hmm. do? This or that. Not her. She called me probably four or five times. And I'm mm-hmm, like, I, I remember hanging up going, she's going to write a book. And a lot of people, I go, good luck. Like, I wish that <laughs> I wish them the best. Like, yeah. I'm not going to interfere with that. Mm-hmm. I always want to promote people. I always want to wish the very best for someone. But I'll hang up and go, huh, we'll see if that, <laughs> yeah. if that happens. That's like me going on a diet. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but when you said... 
you were going to write a book. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yep. let me give you the information. Mm-hmm. She took that information and she did something with it. And then she called me back with some different questions. And I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like the actor that came to mm-hmm. you, Barbara. And you're mm-hmm. like, you got to get headshots. Mm-hmm. There's going to be the ones that never go get headshots. Right. And then there's the ones that show up with the headshots. Well, she shows up with her headshots. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then she goes, I have an outline. And I have a title. And I have some ideas for this, this, and this. So we started talking. Then we went. Then the mm-hmm. third time we went to lunch. We went mm-hmm. to lunch at Bazile mm-hmm. and That's Nordstrom. Right. That's right. Um, and and your passion, I'm like, you know what? I think the Lord wants her to write a book. And you did it. And can I just first say, well done. Thank you so much. Well done. Because it's like giving birth. That's the first thing you said oh. to me when I called you. And I said, Shalene, I did it. And you said, oh my God, you birthed your baby. <laughs> because it is. It is. I mean, oh, it's just, it's I'm a, a people person. So to speak in front of an audience or mm-hmm. even at Neiman Marcus to a small intimate group of ladies, it, that's my mm-hmm. jam. Yeah, Sitting behind the computer pounding out is a labor of love to all of you that have read our books. Like, yes, thank, you. thank you. But I have to consider the people I'm writing for in that moment. Yeah. And also that God's giving me these stories or I've lived these stories out and I'm, they're not meant to be concealed. No, um, absolutely You know, you not. and I both are reasons why that there's there's these little sensors now on clothing. Because, you know, you heard my steel, steel story of clothes. I did it one time though. Um, and it wasn't for the reason you thought. It was because I was peer pressured. I don't think I'd ever been peer pressured again for anything because mm-hmm. I was like, shut up, Buttercup. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> Mervin's middle school. I'm with I'm with this girl. I won't say her name. And she slips under because this is when you know we're in dressing rooms trying on bikinis because it's going to be spring break. Slips under into my dressing room and she goes, "Oh, good, you wore shoes." And she takes off her bikini. She goes, "I'm in flip flops," and puts the bottoms in my one shoe and the top in my no. other shoe. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I have babysitting money. It's $20. I'll pay for your bathing suit. That's when bathing suits were $20. And you got both, the bottoms and the top for $20. And she's like, no, no, no. I have the money. I'm not paying for these things. We just steal them. And I, Jen, for the win, okay? I was sweating profusely. You know, my dad was a sniper on the SWAT team. I didn't need to be tackled. I was going to be killed at Did home, you get right? Caught? So, no, of course not. Oh. Mm. We didn't have sensors yet, right? And I'd never <laughs> done this before. So I said, no, 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 no. No, why don't you wear my shoes? She's like, no, your shoes are way too big for me. My feet, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I walk out of the store and she's in her flip-flops. And I, and I, by the way, I go to the counter and pay for my bathing suit as I'm stealing hers in my shoes. And I walk oh out God. and I take them out and I chuck them at her. The bottom and the top. And my mom pulls up to pick us up at the Mervins. And we drive home and we were silent the whole time. And you know me, I'm never silent. And I tell her, mom, I tell her what happened. She goes, what happened? I go, I have diarrhea. First of all, I'll be right out, you know? (laughs) And I tell her what happens. And my mom drives me back to Mervins. And I have to walk in. And I thought I was going to juvie. I thought I was, I was like, here you go, lock me up. Like, you know, and it was the terrible feeling, right? It's just awful. But I know that's, I'm a reason why there's sensors on clothes now. You have to try these. Um, I think I would be the reason there's sensors on clothes. Oh, I have a partner in crime. No? I'll tell you what though, when I became a follower of Jesus and gave my life to the Lord, it was then that I realized I had broken the 10 commandments. When I was looking at, you know, the 10 commandments, I'm like, well, I'm a good person. And I, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Look, I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. married to the same man since I was 21 years old. And I, and it's like, have you ever 
stolen anything. I remember when I got to that <laughs> commandment and I'm like, <laughs> I know why I need the blood of yeah. Jesus. I know why I need yeah. to be forgiven. I know that I'm Good. suck and need a savior. I right. know it, you know? And it's interesting how all the way back from my little 12 year old self at Mervyn's trying to get a bikini for spring break, I was, I knew I had a conscience that yeah. comes well, yeah. with science meaning with knowledge. knowledge. With knowledge, yeah. I knew I yeah. should not be stealing that. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I stole, it was like I was getting more spiritually sick. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize it at the time because I was so young. Um, but in my adulthood, as you'll read my book, I don't remember what chapter it is. I think it's chapter three. Things started getting stolen from me. Um, but really valuable things that meant a lot to me, things with sentimental value that could not be replaced. Right. And so what that did for me eventually, um, and it kept happening over and over and over again, up until, I mean, I even had a, an assistant steal a ring for me about five years ago, mm. which was horrible. Mm. It's a horrible feeling. But, you know, the other thing is that I just realized how spiritually sick I was at the time. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll read about that in the book. I don't know if you read about mm. that, that, um, you know, the woman, no, that, the woman that raised me had stolen a lot of my um, valuables mm. and hid them in a safe and I found them. And, oh you know, this goodness. was somebody that I thought was my mother. So it was wow. really difficult. Yeah. And then we had a housekeeper come in and, you know, my friend's clothes would disappear, my clothes would disappear. And so what happened is I developed this fear of not only things being stolen from me, but everything being stolen from me. But you know what? Once I, you know, when I wrote the book and there's a chapter in there where I met a, a monk by the name of Shen Zhu. And what happened was my husband and I were renewing our vows on our 25 year in Aspen. And I had these bracelets made for my two sons and and my husband. And all of a sudden I got this like, make sure you put the bracelets away and don't leave them out because maybe the housekeeper or somebody might come. They're looking at me like, who the hell's going to steal these bracelets? And I was like, anybody, anybody given the chance. So we went for a walk and we stumbled upon this museum. And when we got into the museum, the curator said, make sure that you visit the third floor. And I said, okay, what's going on there? Oh, they're making a mandala. Now, I didn't even know what a mandala was. Please a mandala, share. Please so a share. mandala is a, is a Sanskrit. Um, oh, okay. And monks study for, you know, four to six years before they're even able to make these Sanskrits. And they use these um, metal funnels called chuck pours. And they take tiny grains of sand and they make these elaborate sand paintings that take them like anywhere from four to like two weeks to make. Wow. And they do this in complete silence. So it's it's like mesmerizing to watch this, mm. right? So I'm watching this and I'm, of course, I'm fascinated on their kashaya robes and their, their modest way of living. And I want to know more, like, you know, what mm-hmm. is this? And so I waited until they had a break and I approached one of the monks and we, his name was Shenzhou and we had this conversation. He was so wise and I just... I connect, I felt like he knew me, like he knew what I was going to ask him, what he was going to say. And I asked about these Sanskrits and he told me that once they're done, I said, how do you live? You know, and it's all by donation. People just donate and they travel from um, place to place giving spiritual guidance. And so I thought, oh, I'll buy the mandala, right? And that way Mm -hmm. I can, you know, give them money. I'm happy to. And he said, no, we destroy it at the end. And I said, what? I could not understand how they could spend so much of their time Mm. day in and day out and you know, meticulously creating this beautiful mosaic piece of art, and then they're just going to destroy it. And I said, why do you do that? And he said, because the purpose of life is to let go of attachments. And, you know, and and I, and I thought, well, what does that mean, let go of attachments? Does that mean indifference to things? Like, do I just not attach to things? He said, it, no, it means that we're deeply involved in the moment, but that we can't attach to things. And it was in that moment hmm. that I realized 
I can't attach to these bracelets or to the things that I've lost along the way because mm-hmm. I will always have the memory of these things. I might not have the tangible items of them, but I went and I watched them, you know, destroy. They they took the sands into these urns and these piles of sand mm-hmm. and they they dispersed them amongst the um, river fork. And it was just this beautiful thing to watch. And wow. it was in that moment, actually, that a common thread was born. I shared with him my idea and I said, I, ha- I want to write this book. I feel this urge, this soul calling. And I, you know, I'm afraid. And, you know, we talked through it and I went home and started writing the book. Mm. Start writing the book. That's right. I love chapter 14 with Mm. your son, Drew. Yeah. And is everyone in your family considered an Orthodox Jew? No. Would you say? No. No. So So share chapter 14 because it's just powerful. And Drew's in high school at that time, right? Yeah, Yeah, will you share that story? Yes, absolutely. You guys, you're going to get the whole book, but (laughs) I'm just saying, (laughs) if one of you signed a copy for one of you when you share this uh, episode, you get a chance to win it. But this is just a beautiful chapter to me. I got the chills when I read it. Yeah. I actually listened to it because she Mm -hmm. also does it on audio and it's fantastic. You know me driving on the 101. One, I just listened to the book. Yeah. So yeah, share chapter yes. 14. Drew is, I have two sons, Jeremy and Drew. Drew's my younger son. And Drew is a very old kind of soul. Both my kids are really. I come from a lineage of Orthodox rabbis, ultra, ultra Orthodox. My grandfather was the chief Orthodox rabbi for 53 years wow. um, in Los Angeles. And he started the first parochial day school. So it'd be like a Christian school where it's, yeah. you know, you get your your regular education, then you get your, your Christian studies. So he started the first parochial day school in Los Angeles. And we owned our own temple in Boyle Heights, the Breed Street Shul, which was, you know, ultra-Orthodox. My grandmother was what was called a Rebbitzin, which is the sort of the queen of the shuls, and she handled everything you can possibly imagine behind the scenes. So she had a very busy life. And my father was supposed to be the 11th generation rabbi and his brother, the 12th. They both went to rabbinical school, and my father decided he did not want to become a rabbi. His brother did. And Your my, uncle. My uncle did. Okay. And my father broke away and moved into the San Fernando Valley out of the Orthodox community into to living a more secular life. And uh, my mother and my father divorced when I was six months old, and my mother left. She wasn't well spiritually. She was very sick. She was in the grips of the alcohol disease. And so my mother didn't come around very often. My father really needed help, and he brought a housekeeper to come and live with us to take care of my family. And she became my surrogate mother and she was and her and I were very, very attached. She was pregnant when she came. She had a son who I consider my biological brother. I love him as much as I love my other two brothers. We were actually closer because we were I mean, you know, eighteen months apart. So she raised me and we were very close. Unfortunately, when my father was not going to commit to her because of the Orthodox way of life and being, um, he would have been cut off from the family and we had to hide their relationship. He had an affair with her. And so when my Orthodox... But that baby wasn't from him. I don't think so. We don't know. No one did a swab test. No, 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 no. That's the next book. That's book number two. Well, you know, I don't think so. And that's his his journey, not mine. That's right. It is. Yeah, that's his journey, not mine. But um, so anyway, she, you know, when my father decided that he wasn't going to commit to her, she sadly found two solutions and that was pills and alcohol. And Mm. so from the age of eight and on, my life was, you know, I went through a lot, a lot of trauma. It's all in the book. So that's the background of that. So my son, Drew, comes from a lineage Mm -hmm. of people who have studied religion, who have dissected the Torah. And I believe that, you know, things are cellular. We come into this world with an imprint. And so he was imprinted. 
And when Drew was 17, he was really struggling. He needed depth and meaning in his life. He really didn't understand what his purpose was, which are things, you know, that like we go through mm-hmm. as we get older. He was very young at the time. And I, you know, I tried to calm his anxiety and I would say, you know, you don't need to figure it out right now. And, you know, you've got time. And which only added to, to his more anxiety. And so one night I went into his bedroom, we sat down and I said, you know, Drew, for me, I listen with my eyes and my ears and I listen to what I like to call a God shot. And a God shot is a deep intuition. It's a knowing, it's an inspiration, it's a creative urge. It's something deep within us, that soul calling I believe that we all have And like you said earlier before, the problem is that we don't act on them. We get this inspiration and we think, oh, this is, is this something I need to be doing? And then we don't move forward. And the trick is to move forward because when we do that with God's help, it's like swimming downstream and the universe will conspire, especially when you're helping others. There is no doubt in that. So I told him this story. He looked at me. I thought it went in one ear and out the other because he was a teenager. (laughs) And about three weeks later, he came into my room and he said, mom, look what I found. And he held out his arm, you know, stretched out his arm, and he found a bracelet that we had purchased when we were in Jerusalem in the holiest city in Israel, in the Shuk, and it had a Jewish prayer on an inscription that is the Shema Yisrael, which is the inscription that is said morning and night. And it's, um, the, the beginning of the prayer is, it says, to hear, O Lord, right? To hear, which means to listen, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, he went off to school, put the bracelet on, ran off to school, not knowing that there was a Holocaust survivor coming that day to speak. Ugh. And he sat in a room full of you know hundreds of students. And Henry, who was 89 years young at the time, mm-hmm. came in to speak to a group of teenagers about the Holocaust. And he told his very tragic and sad story. And Drew listened. And he said that you couldn't hear a pin drop. Mm. And wow. um, and afterwards, somebody, you know, they opened it up for Q&A and a, and a child raised their hand and they said, have you ever been to Israel? And Henry said, no, it's his one regret. And somebody said, well, why don't you go now? And he said, you know, I'm 89. And, you know, I just don't think, it, I don't think it's the time for me. And Drew looked down at his bracelet and he got the God shot. And for a moment, he thought, like, you know, is, are the kids going to think I'm weird if I do this? But he followed that God shot, and he walked up to him, and he said, I got this in Israel, in the holiest city, and I really want you to have it, because if you can't go to Israel, this is a way that Israel can be with you. And he took his bracelet off. What a and, beautiful heart. And he handed it to Henry, and Henry didn't want to take it, and mm. he was reluctant at first, and he took it, and then he called the school, and he said, I need to know this child. Mm. Who is this child? And my son was at Viewpoint. It was a private school. Yes, small. in Calabasas. Yeah, yes. went there. And so mm-hmm. they- um, Barbara's yeah, kids went there. Went there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a mm-hmm. great school. It was a great yeah. school for him, for Drew. Perfect for Drew. So they asked around and people said, oh, that's Drew, Principe. And so he got Drew's phone number and they started meeting for lunch periodically. And they had this soul connection and mm-hmm. a friendship, a very unique friendship. And then one day Drew, Drew came Drew and Henry. Drew and Henry. At 89 years and old. 89, 17, 17 and 89. I just love that. Yeah. 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 And Drew came home and he said, Henry wants to meet you. Do you want to have lunch? And I was like, yeah, oh my God, I would love it. I've never sat with a Holocaust survivor before. So we went to lunch and we learned more about Henry's story. And we learned that his father had tried desperately to give him in a bar mitzvah in the ghetto when they were taken into the ghetto, that he lost his mother um, mm. also in the Holocaust. He lost every family member. Mm. So we never had a bar mitzvah. We also learned they did one surviving relative that lived in Israel that he had never met. Mm. We learned that Yad Vashem, which is the largest... Uh, Remembrance Holocaust Museum had him showing as perished. 
And, and you're like, I'm having lunch with them. He's alive and well. Yeah. Right. And then we also learned, right. And then we also learned that the chief Orthodox rabbi of Israel, Rabbi, rabbi Lau, was liberated on the same day as Henry. So Drew started a fundraiser, and I'll cut the story short. And um, we sent Henry to Israel, and Drew went along, and he did a documentary, which is on YouTube. It's called Listen. It's beautiful. Mm. And he met his only living relative, and he had his wow. bar mitzvah. Uh, and, <gasps> at um, 89 yeah. years at 89, old. At 89. And at first, though, you know, I have to add one more part to the story. Because it's a really beautiful... Uh, it's a beautiful... I have the chills. A, yeah. So, so when we proposed this idea to Henry, Henry said, said, no, it's too big, it's too much. And he said he would never go without his wife, Susie. And we said, you know, we're going to send you and Susie will figure out a way. How and old is she? She's much younger. She's about oh. 25 years younger. Oh. Yeah. She's oh, I almost younger. thought you said she's 25. <laughs> I was no, like, 25 like, years younger. Okay, I think yeah, yeah. she was in her 70s okay, at the time. Yeah, and yeah, they, they yeah. had such a beautiful marriage. And, and Susie also never had her bat mitzvah because she grew up Orthodox and, and the Orthodox don't allow the women to have bat mitzvahs. So anyway... Henry said, I'll go, but I'm not going to have a bar mitzvah. And we were like, wait, what? Why? Mm. And he said, I don't believe in God. And right. I said, I remember reading I, I just, I, I was like, I, I just got chills all over my body. And I thought, who the hell am I to tell a Holocaust survivor what to believe in? Mm. And it's just, I just yeah. got this warmth over me. Like, it's totally fine. It doesn't matter. We're going to send you anyway. And then a, a few days later, as we were drafting the letter, we get a phone call very late at night, and it was Henry, and he said, do you have a minute? And I said, yeah. And he said, I don't even know how to explain what happened to me last night, but I had a dream about my father for the first mm. time in 73 years. Mm. 73 and, years. And he was trying to give me a bar mitzvah, and I've changed my mind, and it's time. <gasps> wow. <sighs> And Chills. so, yeah, I woke up Drew and I said, Drew, you're not going to believe this. And he looked at me and said, it's a God shot, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was a really beautiful story. And in a lot of ways, I think Drew was liberated mm -hmm. at the age of 17 from his own, you know, his own thoughts, his own fears of realizing that the, the way out of self is into service. Mm -hmm. And that was a, you know, it was such a gift for everybody because mm, we learned right. not only giving but receiving because I'm, I'm not a big, I, it, it's hard for me to receive. And I realized, God, if, if Henry hadn't said yes, so many people mm. on that trip got so much value out of it. So mm. there's, wow. anyway, that's so that's, story. that's the story of Henry yeah. and Drew. And each story in my book is, is, mm -hmm. is, is, a, is a story about, that story is about giving and receiving, but every story in the book is, has some sort of a message in it of how, you know, God spoke to me. And then there's an element of clothing too. Of course, know, which is always fun. <laughs> That's what we live our life in, everybody. Jen, thank you so much yeah, for joining us wonderful. in the Splash Zone. Yeah. I feel so hydrated right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. I mean, ah. Uh, that's just so good. You can't make that stuff up. No, no. you cannot. No, you, you cannot. can't. You cannot. And the fact that you were willing to be disciplined enough to share it with the world mm -hmm. is just a gift. And yeah. it's just so who you are. Thank you. And just kind and loving and Thank generous. You. And I am so proud of you for finishing this. Thank and all of you, you. listening... Please, you can find Jen. Let them know where they can find yes, you on Instagram. Yes, you can Instagram. find me on Instagram at Jen Principe Styles. My book is available on Amazon. I have to mention there's a QR code in the book. And Perfect. And you scan the QR code and it will lead you to live tutorials on how to build your wardrobe from the ground up. See this, everybody? Wow. So this is mm -hmm. a stylist in your pocket. So you're going to get right. soul and fashion inspiration in my book, A Common Thread. Yes. That's awesome. And wow. 
jpstyles.com yes. also. They can go there. Yes. Um, and you can and purchase the book there as well. You also could hire her privately if That's you want, right. like I do. <laughs> but I'm going for the QR code. I'm, I'm just like, I mean, my whole closet needs to be reinvented yes. for sure. Yes. But I love you and thank mm, you for you. splashing us. Thank you us. for having me. This was thank a blessing. Thank you so much for having me. And Splash Family, until next time, splash a little fashion yes. in your yeah. in your hula hoop space today. You yeah. will never regret it. Thanks for joining us today. Come splash with us at shaleenbryan.com. <laughs>